everybody, welcome to Better Every Shift. My name is Aaron Zamzow. I'm a firefighter EMT in Madison, Wisconsin, and with me is Janelle Fasquet. She is the editor-in-chief and um, co-captain on uh, the podcast. She's editor-in-chief for Fire Rescue One, uh, and she has been my editor for 12 years and makes me sound really, really halfway smart. Let's just go that far. Uh, and today, uh, we are very, very privileged to have Chief Reggie Freeman from Oakland Fire Department here. Um, I, I'm going to read a little bit about your bio, but I it won't even touch it, all the different accomplishments that you have achieved in your over 20-year career. Uh, 31st Fire Chief for Oakland, California Fire Department. Prior to that, you were a chief at Hartford, uh, Hartford, Connecticut Fire. You uh, began as a career firefighter in Mississippi. You've been a fire chief in Iraq, fire chief for Lockheed Martin. Um, you serve as an adjunct professor for uh, several universities and colleges and, and um, members of, of academia, board of directors for the NFPA. You're a fellow for the Kennedy School of Government um, at Harvard. And um, in drum roll, you are also a doctor, doctorate of emergency and protective services and I'm going to break this. This is new. You're also recognized as a 2022 influencer by the International Fire and Safety Journal. I can't fit anymore or else I'm out of breath. Um, welcome, Dr. Ch Dr. Chief. This is the first doctor in chief I've I think I've talked to Janelle. I don't know if you have as well, but <laughs> I know where to, which one what's the order? Is it Dr. Chief or Chief Doctor? Hey, you know what? I appreciate it, Aaron and Janelle, but just please call me Reggie. My friends call me Reggie. <laughs> well, that will awesome. be easier. <laughs> yeah, it will be easier. You know, and I, so I, I, you and I are very kindred spirits in the fact that I've listened to a lot of your uh, interviews and, um, you know, I, I, you've, you've done a podcast here with Chief Basher. And, and one of the things is that you are continually trying to improve yourself, which is really what we're all about here at, at Better Every Shift. And you've, you've taken different classes and courses to make yourself better. And, and that, that's kind of, you know, what got you to the doctorate. But what's the motivation behind that? Like, where did that come from? You know, that's a great question, Aaron. And again, thank you. And thank you, Janelle, for having me on this, on this show. Really appreciated it. Uh, truly remarkable to be here representing all the, the great members of the Oakland Fire Department. But, you know, Aaron, for me, it's simple, man. I did not want to be the weakest link when those tones hit. You know, no matter the emergency, we all we are an all hazards response organization. And doesn't matter if it's an extrication, a technical rescue, uh, a commercial job or your bread and butter, single family home. When those tones hit, I wanted to make sure I was competent. And, you know, we, we define competency in different ways in the fire service for the longest time. I've been in the game 21 years. So when I first got on the job, competency was equivalent to tenure, right? The longer you were on the job, if you were a 20, 25, 30 year member, then you were automatically competent. But today, because our profession is so fluid and so dynamic, you know, we define competency as one's training, education and experience, but more importantly, the application of that training, education and experience. Yeah. So early on in my career as a firefighter EMT, I just, I, I refuse to be the weakest link. You know, I was gonna handle my business as a firefighter on that engine or on that truck. Yeah. How do you teach that to somebody? You, you let them know where you failed. You know, you know, I've, and I appreciate the gracious introduction, but you know, we talk, we always are so quick to talk about 
the awards and accolades, but we stay mum on where we fell short or where we failed. And so I share my failures with our team. You know, a lot of that starts with pride. Yeah. Uh, pride, insecurity, <laughs> uh, going down the wrong path when you thought it was the initial pass, but that little voice in the back of your in the back of your head you ignored. So, you know, I, I share those moments with my members, whether it be senior officers or even firefighters when I'm in the firehouse doing station business. And, you know, you you really leave it up to them to make a decision on what's right for them. Because even with the folks that I idolize in the fire service, if I tried to emulate them to a T, I would fail miserably and fall flat on my face, you know, because we have to be our authentic selves. Yeah. But what I've found is that those, those members who really care about making a difference and care about being the best professional emergency responder they can be, they really take heed to those conversations and, Again, they pat you on the back when you get those awards and accolades, but they listen intense, intensely when you talk about your failures and your shortcomings. Yeah. So I, I did also hear, um, you know, when you first started, you started in Mississippi over 20 years ago, and it wasn't all roses for you. You you had, uh, I mean, you had some hardships. You had some of the members you worked with kind of sabotaging gear, um, trying to, uh, you know, like, again, mess with you. And yet... You, you're behind the scenes trying to get better and, and educating yourself. I'm, I'm, am I right with that? Like, is that, what was your mindset then as that, as that was going on? Yeah. You know, Aaron, that was the hardest experience of my life, you know, to, and, you know, for me, you know, everything that I experienced in Mississippi, you know, back in 2001, right. It's Cause my experience is you would think it's 1960. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and, uh, you know, everything that I experienced back then, it really motivated me to really work hard, you know, to not only be to make sure that I was not that weakest link, but also to put myself in a position to where, you know what, I'm going to be chief of the department one day and I'm going to ensure that everyone is treated with respect and dignity, no matter the gender, no matter what they look like, no matter what side of town they come from, regardless of what their personal beliefs are. I'm going to make sure that everyone is treated with dignity and respect because I didn't get that. And I know how it feels. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, man, I say if, if, if bigots, racists and misogynists really knew what it felt like to be on the receiving end of that rhetoric, they wouldn't dare treat anybody like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and so um, as the chief of the department, you know, that's one thing that's non-negotiable is uh, treating people with respect and dignity. And so that was my motivation is, is really those turbulent times and, you know, the heartache, the heartache and the headache that I experienced, you know, it really put me in a position of where I wanted to control my own destiny. Yeah. And, and you made some mistakes, as you said, along the way, but, but, but pride, you know, just reiterating pride kind of says, okay, I messed up. And, and obviously you admit it if, if you did, or, or when, when you had that hardship, um, and I was telling Janelle off, off, um, you know, when we were talking a little bit off, off podcast or off show, I was like, I just, you know, researching, uh, you know, your story and going from that from Mississippi. I'm like, I, I just, I was super excited. And, you know, thank you for answering all that. But I mean, it says something for you and, you know, what your belief is. So let's transfer that to your firefighters, right? Like when we say better every shift and, and, how do you try to encompass that, ball it up and and project and not maybe project, but but 
you know, use that to motivate your firefighters. And you know what are you doing in Oakland, you know? Yeah, it, what it boils down to, Aaron, is let them be great. You know, what there is there is no fire chief without firefighters and there is no fire department without firefighters. And unfortunately, some of my colleagues who uh, who have five trumpets, I would say bugles, but I got to be historically correct. We have <laughs> we have uh, trumpets, not bugles. But uh, some of my colleagues that are fire chiefs have forgotten where they've come from, unfortunately. And, you know, with without firefighters being empowered, how can we expect there to be a difference made within our respective organizations? And so what I do is just I sit down with the firefighters along with the senior team and we listen to what the firefighters want. I'm downtown on the third floor. I don't know what what tools best for you to use. You use it every day. So you tell me. Right? Yeah. You know, when I first got on the job, it was an autocratic profession. You didn't ask questions when that lieutenant or captain or even senior firefighter was walking by you swinging a mop or a broom. You know, you you tried to grab it out of their hands. If you didn't, it was going to be a problem. Yeah. You know, that that culture and, and that activity is somewhat changed today in firehouses. And so for me, as the chief of the department uh, and down from my deputies, assistant chiefs, et cetera, the message that we convey and the culture that we live is that, number one, we don't have employees or subordinates. We have team and family members. Number two, you as a firefighter, you don't work for us. We work for you as command staff. Mm. And number three. This is our department, not my department. And so I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, when we talk about nurturing the future leadership of the organization, we let those individuals who are the current and future leadership have a seat at the table to determine what that training looks like. And so we established our first robust professional development program here in Oakland, did the exact same thing in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, when I was chief there for five, six years. And it was a program developed by the members for the members. And it's all encompassing, you know, looking at not just the hands-on uh, practical training that's critically important, you know, whether it be high risk, low frequency type, type training evolutions to very strategic leadership and management classes. But the members were at the table and they had input and say so in what that professional development program looked like. On top of that, lastly, I'll say is we remove the barriers that stop them from pursuing professional development. For the longest time, our members, if they did find a class, they would have to trade trade off with someone else or use vacation. Mm -hmm. I had that same experience and I absolutely yeah. hated it as a firefighter. So what did I do? We removed that barrier. You know, we said, hey, if you find a class, I'll, I'll cover your time. You know, we'll, when we send folks to National Fire Academy or to Center for Des Domestic Preparedness in Alabama, or down in Monterey to the Naval Postgraduate School, we told our members, if you get accepted into these programs, I'll cover your spot. You don't have to yeah. use your own time to, to go to these classes. And so that's been that's been huge and greatly appreciated by the members. What was the, what was the biggest thing, you, like, you know, when you walked out of that meeting, when you're asking your members for input, uh, you know, what was the biggest surprise? What was the thing that you went, okay, you know, you know, okay, I got you now. You know, like what was the aha, I guess? So there, there was three things they asked for, and because, you know, my first, when I first got here, uh, I want, I wanted to make a point to sit down with in front of all the members and all the firehouses. So uh, three things that they consistently asked for more training, more leadership and more accountability. Now leadership and training I get, but I've never in my life heard of firefighters 
firefighters asking for more accountability? I'm curious because you know what my next question is going to be. Right. And so, you know, what that boiled down to is just the consistency or the application of the department rules and regulations. You know, you can't do one thing for Timmy, but then when Jane does that same thing, because Jane is outside of that inner circle, you know, the the corrective action is a lot more stiffer for Jane than it is for Timmy. And so that accountability piece is huge. And you can't have accountability without consistency. Right. So, you know, policy, SOGs. Absolutely. That's, you know, standard operating guidelines, standard operating procedures, policies, rules and regs, all of that. You know, you have to be consistent in the application of those of those tenements. So I got to now I got to switch a little bit into you personally. So what what motivates you? I mean, I, I see there's a little theme, like I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, like you, you were kind of on the outside, right? You talk like, and we know in the fire service, we have these inner groups. Um, and, you know, I, I, one, of, one of the things that I, I, I really respect and, and, you know, love that your message is like, hey, th- we're going to open this up a little bit. Is, is that what was motivating you a lot? I mean, there's also, you know, you talked about pride, but I mean, wh- what are some of those other things that made you open that book or made you pursue that education? You know, I'll be honest with you, Aaron, for me, it was just injustice, you know, injustice motivated me. Uh, My family inspires me uh, to this day. Uh, My wife and I, we've been together 19 years this year, as of December 17th, it'd be 19 years. Congrats, congrats. That's huge. In the fire service, it's great. Super huge, man. High school sweethearts met junior year in high school. Uh, And my family and now my two daughters, Harmony and Joy, uh, certainly the, the, the center of our universe, but my family inspires me and injustice motivates me. And I say that because, you know, in our profession, you know, here in Oakland, you know, we got 25 houses, uh, roughly 520 firefighters and $188 million budget. And for me, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, even though that's been consistently talked about now, I'd say for about last five, six, seven years, mm-hmm. That's something for the last 21 years of my career, um, I have had intimate knowledge of or the lack thereof, right? So, you know, for me, when I look at it from a motivational standpoint, you know, diversity, diversity is a choice. We make a decision if we're going to be a diverse organization or not. And equity, you know, as this pertains to an organization being equitable, that is something that we have to truly embrace. You know, you have to be very intentional to have an equitable organization. Mm-hmm. And that really just means just leveling the playing field. And so with a diverse organization that's equitable, the only way to get to the point of a sense of belonging is to be inclusive. And that's why, you know, with our regular meetings with Local 55, our IFF chapter here in Oakland, uh, and the executive board, we meet on a monthly basis, you know, any critical decision that impacts the organization, you know, I reach out to the president and we have a conversation about it. You know, if there's some critical piece of information I'm going to distribute and disseminate to the organization, I make sure that I call or text the union president to give him a heads up so he's not blindsided. Um, so being inclusive, you know, being diverse, equitable, as well as inclusive gives the membership of the organization a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And because I never had that at the beginning of my career, uh, that's what motivates me. 
every yeah. single day and drives my decision-making process. And uh, let me, I know the answer to this one is it doesn't happen fast enough though, does it? Oh, what, and, and that's one of my flaws. I'm very impatient. Don't believe me. Ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's where that partner comes in, right? They kind of talk right. you off a little bit, right? Like, Hey, Absolutely. Just, you know, Absolutely. Uh, well, we're talking about it here and I've read about it. I've watched you. So I, I believe you're making an impact. So keep doing that. Um, it, for, take it for what it's worth. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm way up in Wisconsin and, and uh, you know, you're motivating people like me. Um, I was telling Janelle, I'm like, I really got to go back and get my master's, you know, because I just started reading all your stuff. So really, that's what it's, I, I think, a big part of what it's about, um, you know, and just trying to motivate those around us. So keep doing what you're doing, Chief, on that part. And thank you. Thank you. Um, thank and you I think mentioned Ma Madison, you know, my uncle's retired off the job in Milwaukee. Tony White he was on the truck. OK, is he is he still in Wisconsin then or is he? No, they moved, they moved to Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, heck, by the way, it's, it's, you know, snowing already here, it, it, regardless <laughs> I mean, of when you're listening to this. Move to Memphis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, we, you talk about kind of how you're approaching Oakland and, and what you're doing with Oakland fire department. And I know uh, Janelle, that's close to Janelle. Janelle is very encompassed uh, with that, that area. And I know she had some, some questions about uh, what's going on in Oakland and you. Oh yeah, well, I I love Oakland. I was born in Oakland, raised nearby, uh, you know. And I just I think about what's going on in Oakland though right now. It's there's a lot going on. You came into a department, you inherited this history from some pretty big incidents. There's the Oakland Hills fire, you know, the ghost ship fire. Now Oakland's in a period of transition as well. There's been a lot going on there. I was just curious how you take so much of what you've learned, you've studied, you, even all the way up to your doctorate, you know, and apply those principles to such a dynamic city. You know, Janelle, that's a great question. And Oakland, you know, unfortunately, a lot of folks, the only thing that they know about Oakland is what they see on the news, right? Which doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of, of this great town. You know, for, for I didn't even know up until I started researching Oakland when this opportunity came about that there's a beautiful lake in the middle of downtown, you know, with Lake Mary. And there's gorgeous redwood forests and you get some of the best hiking in the Oakland Hills. You know, that's the kind of stuff you don't hear about mm -hmm. uh, on the news or just the culture. There's over 166 different languages spoken in Oakland. It's just a beautiful beautiful city with a beautiful culture, beautiful people that has so much potential. Absolutely. Uh, with the fire department, you know, I am the fourth fire chief in five years here in Oakland. And the members have really gone above and beyond to ensure that the department remains successful. And so for me, I'm very thankful for the fact that, you know, I was able to bring on my, my two deputy chiefs uh, with the retirement of uh, two deputies who have given so much to the city uh, with their contributions, their efforts and their talents. And, and they, they decided to retire and move on. And I was able to bring on and appoint you know, my two deputies as well as a few other key uh, officials in my administration uh, with the same mindset and goal that we are going to do everything in our power to assist this organization to reaching its fullest potential. 
And Oakland's always, Oakland Fire has always been known as a very aggressive organization. And what I like to say, which I can respect and appreciate, is the same thing that we had in Hartford, but what I, I like to call it calculated aggression. And uh, that's something that was, as it pertains to emergency response and fire suppression, our members do extremely well. It's just building up to that, you know, making sure that you have a 10 year capital improvement plan in place to where you can have the proper apparatus to even get you to that incident or that call for service, which is something we didn't have. We were six years behind in buying apparatus. Last six weeks, we've been able to put four new apparatus in the service, three engines and a tiller truck, uh, professional development program, making sure that that's funded and members have everything that they need to be successful, to be properly prepared prior to promotion. Because within our profession, we typically, you know, we have a written exam, you have the assessment center, you have a certified list, and we give somebody a badge, say, here you go, kid, good luck. You know, we're not setting up our future leadership of the organization for success. And yeah. so we change that dynamic here in Oakland. Uh, also, when you look, go ahead. What's in it? Yeah, sorry, Chief, to interrupt, but you know, I'm, I imagine some of our listeners are like, okay, so what does that look like a little bit? And you know, like what what are we? You know, and the other part of that is, what are we missing as a fire service? You you hit on just a, a huge thing, and you know, and you saw me nodding, and and I think we've all experienced that, right? Through our through our 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 careers where, yeah, that's the most senior person, but that doesn't necessarily make them, a, a, you know, set for that position. And it's not necessarily their fault. It's maybe our system. What, without, then, a doubt. What, without a doubt, Aaron, and what we have to do, we have to rethink how we look at competency, right? Because what I mentioned earlier, tenure's always been equivalent to competency. And now you have this paradigm shift to where there's this unspoken battle or even war between old guys and senior, old, old guys and new guys. When I say yeah. guys, that's gender neutral, right? Including our women and non-binary members. And so just like tenure is not equivalent to competency, on the back end, you got you know more senior members of the organization that see these young folks come in and they have every certification and degree in the world. And then so now that's a problem. So now we say certified doesn't make you qualified. Yep. So yep. we as leadership, we have to bring everyone to the table to have these discussions. And we, as a organization and a department, we will determine what we state is uh, the foundation of someone being quote unquote qualified or not. And the only way to get there is to make sure that you have your five-year community strategic plan, which has goals that speak to the necessity and the funding of a professional development program, as well as a succession plan. You have to have all three to be prepared mm -hmm. for the 21st century fire service. Well, and kudos to you for, you know, leaning into the succession planning. That's such a difficult thing. It seems like for so many departments, I, I think one of the biggest hurdles there is just knowing where to begin. I think there's a second hurdle that we addressed earlier, which could come back to the issue of pride or ego and folks feeling perhaps a little threatened mm -hmm. by the idea of a succession planning and developing folks. Um, so again, kudos to you for, for going there. Now, where do they begin? For someone listening to this, what's the first step? Is it that strategic plan that you mentioned? Yeah, you have to make sure that the process is codified within your strategic plan because you have to have a funding source. 
Uh, secondly, something that is critically important, you have to ensure that there's equal opportunity of access to these programs. You know, every part of the country is different as it pertains to the fire service, but you have some firefighters that have to work their second and third jobs to make yeah. ends meet. So they're not going to be available to use their time off to attend any kind of classes. So as a department, you have to make sure that you make it available for folks to participate while on duty. That's critically important. And, you know, of course, ensuring that, you know, that process, whatever it may be from a succession planning, let's just say from a succession planning standpoint, you know, there's always going to be coaches and mentors involved with a succession plan. And so that process also has to be developed for members to participate while on duty, uh, because whether it be the second jobs or, you know, for Gen X, you know, we've always talked about work-life balance and we've never meant it, by the way. We just said, <laughs> you yeah. know, but, yeah. but the millennials and Gen Z, they really take it serious. And so they value that family and that friend time. And we cannot be mad at that. And, and so, you know, making sure that our members, you know, have that availability to decompress. Um, and we have a program that is developed and structured to ensure that members can participate while on duty without taking away from their time off is so, so very important. Yeah, it, it sounds like you uh, and, you know, I could dig in, I could ask so many more questions, just, you know, how do you get that insight and how do you, you know, where, where did that, you know, even, even we asked about motivation and, but I, I'd love to ask, Janelle's like, oh, Zam, come on, we only get a half an hour on this, you know, <laughs> poor guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, you mentioned too, like you just, you're using different generations and you're using their strengths to help Absolutely. the other generations, right? And that's, that's right. Not, not to say one is better or worse than the other, but how can we use what you're good at, put you in a position of success and bring others up along with it? And and uh, it's 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 brilliant. It's very um, refreshing to hear. Um, and I know I could jump into it for many, many more hours. We'd love to actually have you back again. But we also do this thing that... Um, as we, we jump into topics, then we'd like to try to lighten it up a little bit and go more into, you know, you personally, we put you on what we call a hot seat. Um, and Janelle starts laughing a little bit because, uh, you know, I, I, one, of the, one of the things that I've always been blessed with is I've always been in these rooms with all these chiefs and I've never had a white shirt or anything. I've always been the guy with a sweatshirt. So I've always asked these kind of like normal questions. And so it's so guy too, Aaron. All right. I was hoping you'd be in one. I'd be like, this is going to be good next time. Maybe we'll get you just like, you know, just a couple people talking. Uh, but we like to ask hot seat questions and Janelle, I'm going to throw you, you have the first one for him. Right. And we don't know where right. some of these come from our listeners. Some of these come from like the depths of, of, uh, you know, Google searches or whatnot, but we like to put everybody <laughs> on these, these hot seats. Um, depth of you, Google. <laughs> All right. The depths of our no. brains. He's really right. sweating already. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to start on a positive note. What is your proudest accomplishment? My two daughters, without a doubt. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how interesting the day is or if I'm having a bad day. When I go home and walk through those doors, I get the same reaction for my two daughters every single time. And, and that's them screaming, daddy, running and giving me a hug. So by far my two daughters. 
Can can I ask? Are your daughters like the the firehouse just doesn't? It's not that intriguing to them anymore. Or is it, do they still like to every once in a while go go hang out at the firehouse? Yeah. So you know, I I make it a point you know to bring them with me to community events. And my youngest Joy, we just had truck one the tiller. We had a christening ceremony uh, here a few weeks ago, so I was able to bring her with me, and she loves it. You know, my oldest, she's into figure skating and and um, and so forth. And the youngest, she's she's five, and she's already for at least a year consistently. She said she wants to be a firefighter. So <laughs> awesome, so great. Fingers, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, she has a personality too. The oldest is like her mom. The youngest is more like me. So, so we'll see what happens. So that when we bring you back, we're gonna have to ask questions about that. You know, having having family in the fire service. So that'll be a whole another <laughs> kind of episode. Um, so Janelle asked that first one. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna go the uh, one of the exact opposite sides of this. Is what's your biggest regret in your career thus far? That's a great question, man. Biggest regret in my career. Um, you know, honestly, I'd say not having an opportunity to come up through the ranks at a major city. You know, that's I've always I, I guess I've been coined now as as a change agent, uh, change agent chief, which, you know, that's fine. <laughs> you know, got the got the Hartford and uh, great organization, phenomenal firefighters. And they were already class one. When I left, they were accredited. So got here at Oakland. Uh, we just recently earned our class one, and we are Congrats. a registered agency for accreditation. And, and this is my last uniform. So I will be retired from the fire service out of Oakland. And uh, the goal is to, you know, leave an East Coast department class one and accredited, as well as a West Coast, you know, two metro departments, and uh, right off into the sunset. So my biggest biggest regret is just not having an opportunity to come up through the ranks at a Hartford or Oakland. Uh, that's probably my biggest, biggest regret, not having that opportunity. All right. Let's, uh, let's lighten it up just a little, have a little fun here. What's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> Ooh, biggest pet peeve I'd say is uh, doing doing a mediocre doing get getting mediocre work i really don't like that <laughs> uh you know i you know i i, I prefer obviously everyone's not going to be high speed low drag but when you obviously did not put much much effort into a particular project or or assignment you know or you're late i have to i have to come back to you and ask hey where are we at with this with this project because we're getting ready to hit our deadline. Yeah. That's, that's a big pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Mm. I hear that. Yep. <laughs> should not. She's looking at me because my, sometimes no, I don't hit my deadline. Never. Um, so, so here's one. I, I liked it. These hot seat ones. I got good ones today, Janelle. Uh, so what, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Man, that's another good one. Um, I'd say trust the process. Um, thinking back at 18, I was very impatient. I'm 43. I'm still impatient. I'm a little better, but yeah. very impatient at 18. Uh, very hungry. Very, very hungry. And I, I would say just trust the process. You know, put in the work. Uh, have the patience. 
and trust the process. You got like one more, Janelle? I was thinking about this. If you were going to write a book, first of all, what would it be about? And if, if you've toyed with the idea in your mind, you have a title for that book? Wow. So I, I am actually working on a fire service centric book right now, uh, which is leadership of the 21st century fire service. So I'm working on that. But if I were to write, say, a, a book book uh, from a personal perspective, I think I would stay in line with my profession that I love with all my heart. And it'd probably be titled uh, Embracing People and Acknowledging Service. Uh, just from a public servant's perspective. And so, and that's why I became a firefighter, right? I didn't, I don't have that cool story to where an app, an engine drove by when I was three years old and I knew I wanted to be a firefighter at that moment. I don't have that story. Uh, you know, my, my motivation or inspiration rather to join the fire service was being passionate about people as well as being passionate about serving. So that, that's what, that's what my, my book would be about people and serving. I love it. That's great. I, I was just going to say, are we breaking another news story here? Like another, <laughs> another book, I think. Um, yeah. and, we'll, and be, she, we'll be helpful with your book launch party. Right. Awesome. Well, actually be careful now. Janelle is writing this stuff down and she's going to come back to you, which is great. Uh, and say, hey, chief, let's do an article on that first to set up the book. And um, which I, I, I think would be a great idea. Um, and, and, Lastly, just to finish up, thank you so much for your time and your insight. And we would love to have you back again uh, because oh, we dive you. into so many different things, um, you know, just about your passion. You are helping so many people by helping the people that help so many people. And um, so one last uh, message or I guess what would one one thing that you'd want everybody to take just just from our conversation and, and maybe, you know, in this better every shift concept. Uh, you know, if you could summarize it, ball it up and give it to, you know, some advice to, you know, whether it's that firefighter or that, that aspiring chief, what would it be? I, I would say, you know, can control your own destiny. You know, if I were to listen to those around me early in my career as a firefighter EMT in Mississippi, I would literally, literally still be there at the rank of probably no more than a lieutenant or a captain. Now, company officers are the most critical persons in a firehouse, while the firefighter is the most important. So this isn't a knock at, at our company officers, because uh, I have the utmost respect for them. It's just my reality would be, I would not have an opportunity to travel the world like I have, um, to attend international fire service conferences, keynote speaker, uh, being asked to be a contributing author to so many great fire service leaders books. None of that would have happened if I would have listened to those individuals in Mississippi that told me every single day what I couldn't do and what I shouldn't do. And so for all those that are listening, just control your own destiny by upholding the highest standards of ethics and morality, uh, work extremely hard, be a student of the craft. And again, today, I just happen to be Dr. Freeman, but I don't consider myself a subject matter expert in anything. I am a bona fide and legit student of everything. Yeah. 
and uh, that that will certainly pay its dividends to you in the future, no matter what your aspirations are, whether it be that promotion, uh, whether it be that opportunity to get on the technical rescue team, the hazmat team within your respective organization, or just to be a better person, period. Uh, one last thing. What are you working on personally? I mean, you're a doctorate already. You've very, very educated. What are you, what's, what are you working on? So right, I, I got the distinct pleasure and honor to, to, to be the dissertation chair for six different students right now who are pursuing their doctorates, uh, adjunct professor currently teaching for University of Florida, uh, coaching and mentoring, you know, members within my organization once a month, I have a leadership leadership class that I put on here for all members of OFD who wants to log into Zoom and, and participate in that class. Um, and then mentoring, you know, folks just from different different areas of the country. And that's between all of that, that keeps me extremely busy. And uh, and I really do. I really do enjoy it. It's been such an honor and a privilege to be able to wear this uniform and such an honor and privilege to be able to give back. Thanks, Chief. Appreciate you. Keep inspiring. I uh, I'm going to go. Um... I'm going to go register for my master's, I think, right now. There you go. So, you got, um, if yeah. you have any questions about any schools, give me a holler, man. I, I, uh, I might look you up. I do have a couple, but I, I have, uh, I've actually been, been researching it for a while. So you, you're just giving me the motivation to, and, and the push to do it. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and, and again, thanks. We'd love to have you on again in a couple months just to check up and, and maybe dig into some things that we didn't get into if, if you're up with that. And um, appreciate the time. Janelle? Anything else we got? I just so appreciate talking to you, Chief, as always. And I love I love how the, the entire theme here really is just like constant improvement, right? Just like keep right. chipping away at ourselves. I love it. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to see you, Janelle. And thank you so much, Aaron. Thanks, Chief. Thank you, Chief. All right.